0: And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified is a, uh, we go, coming in three, two, one. And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan DelZell and myself, Sonita, we take a look at the world, we realize the powerful influence of celebrities, music, movies, and how social media will drive the traditions and norms of modern society. And so Sanctified Reason discusses the crossroads of faith and pop culture and the stories that go on. And Dan, one of the things I thought we could talk about is kind of this whole Christian movement in Hollywood. We see it pop up every once in a while. We saw it back in the days of Mel Gibson and the movie Passion of the Christ. A lot of people flocking to the theaters to see it. And now, most recently, there's a movie coming out called Padre Pio and it stars Shia LaBeouf. And Shia LaBeouf recently did an interview. With a, uh, I guess, a Catholic priest on a show somewhere. And he was talking about how he converted to Catholicism and how this movie portraying, you know, being the actor that's portraying Padre Pio, who I guess is a saint, um, kind of opened him up to this new faith that he has. And so I thought that's something that we could talk about is you know, kind of this Christian movement or every once in a while we see these things pop up, these Christian movies pop up and these actors have these, I guess, you know, uh, coming home to Jesus moments.
1: Yeah, you know, it does happen, doesn't it, San, with uh various celebrities. And I was quite intrigued to uh, to listen to that interview with Shia LaBeouf and a a Catholic priest uh that he's gotten to know a little bit, um, through the movie that he made. And uh, you know, it was interesting to hear how uh, Shia LaBeouf describes he was at such a, a low point in his life. I mean he, he he pretty much described, you know, being suicidal. I mean he said, you know, everybody had kind of turned on him. I guess he's had some personal uh, things that have gone on here um, in recent uh, months. And he said even his mother, you know, I mean, he wasn't talking to her. I mean, everybody was just kind of, kind of, you know, he just was kind of alienated from. And um, it was interesting for to hear him describe, son, how this movie uh, opportunity came to him and how originally when he heard this, um, it was kind of his ego that that you know kind of got energized a bit by thinking that he could get back into the game here um, and and kind of you know get back into into some movie making and and some roles and so forth. But he described how through the process of that. Um, he really had kind of an epiphany and, and, and two words that he focused on at one point there in the interview Son is, is he said the message that just kept coming to him was let go. And, and I thought, well, now, Hey, now that, that's a, you know, that's a helpful, um, that that's a helpful way to think about the way some people have have come to the Lord uh, by by just letting go of what is burdening them, letting go of trying to control things. In the case of Shia LaBeouf, I think you know letting go of his um, you know his, his personal ambitions and 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 starting to move in the direction of you know what would life be like. You know, with Christ as, as my focus. And, and so it was a, it was a very interesting um, interview and and just to hear about um, you know his experience uh, I mean definitely you know it seems to have brought some order into his life he even used uh, that word I believe there at the very end of the interview that you know he needs that he needs order and, and I think the Catholic Church son does that for a lot of people it gives them order um, now you and I have talked you know on the podcast uh, uh, about about, you know, pros and cons of, of order in, in the sense that, you know, it can only do so much for you. Um, it can't forgive your sins. Um, but, but there are many, many, uh, benefits of course to order. I, I I guess one thing too, that struck me with the interview and just this, this movie that he was doing is that, um, I, I guess this, uh, this father Pio Padre Pio, uh, is a is a saint i guess maybe in the catholic church and you know it it just seems like um you know celebrating uh celebrating certain people who've been in their church is something that um, that, that they tend to do, uh, whether it be a Mother Teresa or in this case a Father Pio. And it's, it, it's just kind of interesting, son, si, when you compare it to more of the evangelical approach. Now, I mean, I think there are things that Catholics and evangelicals can learn from one another. Um, but having said that, you, you, you don't tend to get that emphasis in most evangelical churches. Um, you know, even with, even with, you know, some of the, the greatest saints, uh, you know, such as those who wrote, you know, the New Testament. I mean, you know, the, the Apostle Paul doesn't seem to be venerated, uh, doesn't seem to be celebrated by evangelicals the way that all sorts of different men and women um are celebrated in the Catholic Church. So it's just kind of an observation. It's a difference, um for sure. And and I think it came out in the interview, which I you know I was very very glad to hear about um, how how much help this seems to be giving Shia LaBeouf. I think that's wonderful. Um, I, I'm I'm so thankful that he's moved away from having suicidal thoughts and and he's he's wanting to, to focus on, on spiritual uh, issues and all of that uh, is obviously a very you know moving in a very very good direction. Um, it, it did seem, of course, that the focus of the interview. Was was on this particular priest. And again, I think that kind of falls right in line with the Catholic approach many times, that if they find someone. That they have reasons to think that he or she is kind of on a higher status that then, you know, we're going to elevate them and focus on them and uh, and so on and so forth. And then, you know, he he mentioned, you know, a few of the Catholic traditions, too, that you know, he has found to be beneficial. So it, it, it's just interesting when you, when you look at the, the different approach between, um, you know, those in the Catholic church and those are more evangelical churches. Like I say, I mean, I think we can, you know, learn from one another. Um, but at the end of the day, I think perhaps the biggest difference between like this interview with Shia LaBeouf and a priest. And, and let, let's just say that um, rather than a Catholic uh you know, a Catholic church, he was, he was part of uh, more of an evangelical, uh, you know, just to say a non-denominational church. Um, I, I, I think what you would have heard would have been a lot more emphasis on what led to the individual now being converted because of what Jesus did on the cross. And, and I think with, with the Catholic approach, sometimes, um, it, it's not that, that, you know, Jesus' death on the cross is is not part of the picture, but it is that you many times have a lot of other things in there, even like in this interview, um, you know, I, I'm thankful for how far Shia LaBeouf has come. Um, there was nothing in the interview per se that really kind of, you know, uh, explain things that, like the Apostle Paul explained in Romans, for example, that treat us on the Christian faith, you know, on, on what led him out of a works righteousness. Uh, into uh, salvation through faith in Christ alone. You know, I, I will say Shia LaBeouf made some interesting points about how for him, um, you know, he gets moved sometimes more by being involved in the emotion of something. He said as an actor, too, he he, he tries to immerse himself into, you know, to these roles. And even with his uh, father, uh, Pia, Padre Pia, he he um, he didn't even want to have an Italian accent, which the director was kind of hoping he would try to pick up because he said he, he you know, um, Syla Buff described how it was so personal to him because of just things that he's been going through in his own life. And like Padre Pia, who I guess had, you know, struggles and was kind of an outcast in a way, I guess, in his church and, and, and things, silo Buff could relate to that. So it was a lot about um, Padre Pia, you know, As evangelicals, we do focus a lot on doctrine, uh, you know, because... You know, Paul told Timothy, you know, watch your life and doctrine closely. So we, we, we believe that doctrine is very, very um much a part of connecting with Christ. And not that Catholics don't believe that or Catholicism doesn't believe that, but then but then you kinda of get down to the issue that, you know, historically, you know, for the past five hundred years has been a source of of, of many discussions between Catholics and, and Protestants, and that is, you know, what is the gospel? You know, exactly what is the gospel? Like Shia LaBeouf, you know, he, he made reference to the gospel once or twice, kind of in reference to the gospel of Matthew. But, you know, for us as evangelicals and, and, you know, uh, Christians who are not Catholic, um, when we use the term the gospel, we generally aren't talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, we're 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 mostly talking about not not the first four books of of, of the of the New Testament. Although, of course, those are the you know the Gospel according to Matthew, etc. But we're talking about the message of the gospel and salvation by grace through faith in Christ through His death on the cross. So this this I think will always be a source of discussion between Catholics and even. And so it's kind of hard for me to listen to that interview and not see, you know, many pluses with it, but also differences, um, in the way that many Christians would, would approach, um, that topic. You know, he said he, he's, he has a good uh, relationship with Mel Gibson, of course, who's, you know, a devout Catholic as well. Um, so, you know, it, it's very interesting to hear about, you know, a handful of celebrities. Maybe there are more than a handful, but a handful of, of well known celebrities who are, um, you know, very committed now to Catholicism. And I think it opens up doors for discussions about, you know, about Christianity and and about, you know, what role do um people that movies are made about, you know, like like Padre Pia, you know, what, what role do they play today? And and then how does that compare to um the role that Christ plays? You know, and, and you know, what well, one final thing, and I haven't really researched this too much yet, Sam, but they made reference to it. In, in the interview and that is apparently this Padre Pia uh, had this experience that some Catholics, maybe some others have had, called stigmata, where they, they they have these marks that show up on their body, wounds like where where the wounds of Christ would have been. Um and then as I just briefly researched it, um, you know, there were some questions with Padre Pia whether it was, you know, anything ever, you know, whether it was even whether there were any cuts or not. Some people actually had cuts in their bodies. So that left questions open about, you know, what caused it or whatever. But I, I, the only reason I bring that up is, you know, as evangelicals, there are reasons why, um, we don't get excited over those sorts of things. If anything, you know, if we heard of somebody having something like that, we would associate that as more of a, a like an occultic type, uh, of a deal, um, we we would not, we would not instantly, oh my, you know, um, I always say it's like if somebody has an apparition of Mary, um, you know, evangelicals would look at that and say, well, <laughs> You know, clearly that's a demonic, uh, that's a demonic thing. Not that Mary was ever associated with anything demonic. She was a holy uh, woman of God and, and used greatly of God and a humble woman of God and, and a beautiful, I mean, he wasn't without sin, but she was certainly very humble and, and amazing. But but when, when people say they had an apparition of Mary, um, you know, as evangelicals, I think we have some discernment on that, that we can offer to Catholics. It's kind of like what we would say to anybody who's praying to the saints. You know, we would, you know, I wrote an article years ago called, um, uh, you know, praying to the departed conjures, conjures, conjures up fallen angels. So when you pray to dead people, when you pray to dead people, um, you're opening up a realm for the demonic. Um, so I, I know I'm kind of jumping around on a few things here, but I, I'm, I'm trying to point out that if experience is the basis of something that we're going to label, oh, that had to come from God. Well, then stigmata and apparitions of Mary and, you know, everything under the sun, you know, that, that is connected to spirituality, we could we could say, well, that must be God. But, but on the other hand, um, if you're going to evaluate things biblically and test the spirits, you know, there's a level of discernment that God gives us to say, wait a minute, um you know it, it's not those things that the holy spirit is doing today to bring people to the lord it, it, it's it's the gospel message which is the power of god to the salvation of them who believe and so my hope and prayer you know for Shia LaBeouf, son is that as he continues on this spiritual journey which i'm very thankful that he, he he's moving out of the self destructive uh stuff he was in um And 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 he he wants to focus on, you know, on prayer and these other things. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Um, But that doesn't mean there's not a lot more that he and all of us can learn as we now continue to grow in the Lord. And and as we as we make the word of God the basis of of, of our focus, and at the very end of the interview, it was interesting because the the speaker then, I, it was kind of interesting. He he finally brought up um, this priest that you know the Catholic Church does a lot more in the Bible than it used to. He said he himself he he teaches a lot from the Old Testament. He wants people to get used to using the Bible a lot more. I would have loved for that to have. You know, come up much earlier in their long discussion, and kind of heard more of that talk. A lot of their discussion revolved around emotion and um, kind of the experience of it. And and Shia LaBeouf seems to be moved more by that than kind of what he called more, you know, esoteric, you know, cognitive sort of of things. Well, I mean, doctrine is dealing with cognitive issues because true doctrine is something the Holy Spirit works through. doctrine is something that demons work through um, true holy experiences are something the Holy Spirit works through false uh, counterfeit experiences uh, are, are something that demons work through so so when, when, when people start pointing to stigmata and apparitions of Mary and things like this you know the first thing we we as evangelicals uh, w- w- will think is well that certainly doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit any more than the, these these so-called revivals uh, in in certain you know, uh, Pentecostal circles where people would bark like dogs or, or laugh uncontrollably. I mean, my goodness, uh, the fruit of the spirit is self-control, not uncontrollable laughter or barking like a dog. So, I mean, it's not just in certain Catholic circles where you get some very, um, I would say very dangerous uh, experiences that that people are seeking rather than the Lord, rather than the gospel. Um, But I'll just wrap up here. This, my comments right here on this song by saying, I'm very thankful for Shia LaBeouf's um, uh, progress uh, I'm very thankful for that priest, you know, who's trying to help him and for the discussion that they had. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of good that was discussed there. And it's kind of a jumping off point. It should be at least where we can then as Christians, um, you know, talk about faith, experience, scripture, um you know cognitive issues, experiential issues, emotional issues, how do they all fit together and um, you know we're all learning, we're learning more every day,
0: see when it comes to like things like stigmata and stuff, it's and you mentioned apparitions and stuff. It's like mm-hmm. people flocking mm-hmm. to the local donut shop because you see Mother Teresa in a cinnabon. Or right. you, you flock to some place because somebody burnt their waffle. Now it looks like, you know, uh, the Virgin Mary. <laughs> and you right. start to look at these things. And, I, and I'm one that dismisses all that immediately as that's not God, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Stigmata, I don't believe that's from God. Because God does no, not already, yeah. use anything to distract from himself. That's why no one's found the ark, Noah's ark. You know, they all know it's on Mount Ararat, supposedly. But uh, no one's right. been able to find it. Right. No one right. has been able to find the cross. Um, mm-hmm. No one has been able to find um, the Ark of the Covenant and some of these other things mm-hmm. that you know are mm-hmm. kind of these relics of of the Bible. Even the the right. shroud, there's some you know discrepancy as yeah. to whether or not this actually is the shroud. And I think mm-hmm. that's purposeful because anything that will take God won't allow anything to be. Discovered, exposed, that will take away from him. So if we found the ark, right. if we found the ark of the yeah. covenant, if we found Aaron's rod, if we found the cross, if we, I, I think even some places, like I know where they know where Jesus died, Golgotha, because you can figure some of these things out, you know, Mount of Olives, some, there's some descriptions as to where these mm-hmm. places took place. But mm-hmm. if it was absolute, people would worship those things over right. God. People would worship the inanimate object that God used. For his purpose in place of God. I mean, could you imagine, you know, I I know many people have gone to Israel to the tomb. Now, I'm assuming it's the the tomb. I don't know. I've never been there. Um, Mm -hmm. And so people that say this is Jesus's tomb that I went to have very emotional experiences. Now, it could be Jesus's real tomb. I don't know. I I, I don't know how they keep track of that. But, again, if you are knowing that's Jesus's tomb, okay, then your experience— I think is kind of predicated on the fact that you already know that's Jesus's tomb. Does that make sense? You know, you oh, yeah. you you get yeah. a heightened sense. Like it's like you know Bible camp. You go to Bible camp. You come down from Bible camp on that mountain high, and you're like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. all you know, I'm all you know, I'm fire for Jesus. And then you know the feeling goes away, and you come back from Israel, you come down from the mountain from Bible camp, and now you're back to normal life, and that experience, that feelings of experience are gone. Um, So first yeah, off, I yeah. think that some of those things that they talk about and then the Catholic Church has and even like canonizing people. I mean, that would be like us canonizing someone like right. Adniram Judson or Hudson Taylor or maybe even more recently right. Billy Graham and focusing right, on right. those teachings, you know, because that's and I got a couple of clips I want to play from from the interview. But it's like okay. when they talk about when 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 LaBeouf and, and the, the bishop, I think his name is Robert Barron, when they talk about some things, they're talking about the teachings of certain people. Rather mm-hmm. than the teachings of Jesus, they're talking about you yeah, know the yeah. the, yes. the catechism of these people or whatever versus the the teachings of Jesus, and so that would be like us saying, "Well, I'm going to follow the teachings of Billy Graham or whatever person you want to insert in there instead mm-hmm. of following the teachings of Jesus."
1: Yeah. Well, and, and you know, Hassan, to go right along with that, um, and just to kind of just put a little bit of. Uh, flesh to the bones here of stigmata, I mean, basically what, what this is, is that people will claim to have, or maybe some do have, the appearance of bodily wounds, scars, and pain in locations corresponding to the crucifixion wounds of of, of Christ, such as the hands, wrists, and feet. Um, but, but just think about that, son. I mean, it's the point you made a moment ago. I mean, why would the Lord do that? And 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 now all of a sudden you know this person who was 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 the recipient of this. Now it it becomes about the wounds on them. Uh, when the focus is to be what did what did Jesus' wounds, what did his death, what did his sacrifice do for us? And and that's the thing that you know many evangelicals try to gently point out to um to our Catholic friends, and that is that um whether it be apparition of Mary, uh, whether it be uh stigmata, uh, wh- whether it be some of these other, uh, like you said, so maybe, maybe you see, uh, what, what looks like a saint or, or this or that, um, uh, you know, that, 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 these things do not ultimately help to ground a person deeper in the gospel. And, um, I mean, even like in that interview, as much as I Appreciated hearing how far Shia LaBeouf had, had moved away from self harm and, and seriously, I mean, I, I think from what he described, son, I think he seriously was, was, you know, getting close to, you know, wanting to end his own life. I mean, that's how depressed he was. I'm so thankful that, that, um, he was, you know, offered this movie role in the sense that it can help him out of that. But, but, but then, you know once you enter that realm of um, of faith and religion, we have to then compare it to scripture because otherwise all we have are just a bunch of people's experiences and emotions and feelings and and well, this helped me um and, but but what does the Bible teach? It teaches that only the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away our sins, and that that only happens when we trust. That he died for our sins on the cross, and, and and I kept waiting and wanting, as evangelicals do, I kept waiting and wanting to kind of hear that clear kind of emphasis in the interview, um, but but it, it really didn't it didn't really get to that point. But what we would say as evangelical Christians. Is that that is the point? Justification by grace through faith. It's the foundation of the Christian faith. So to talk about a person, uh, like I say, I, I love the fact that Shia LaBeouf focused on let go. He felt that was the message. That's good. Um, he he seemed to really like when he, he was reading the Bible. He seemed to like John the Baptist. He liked kind of the rugged nature of John the Baptist. Um, okay, great. You know there were I mean there were there were good things there. Good movement. I mean just considering these things, but. but But once you get into this realm of of the Bible and and faith and Catholicism and, you know, Christianity, um, you have to wrestle with the things that the Apostle Paul addressed. This former terrorist who was Saul of Tarsus, who hauled Christians off to prison, um, who was there cheering on the first Christian martyr, Stephen, when he was martyred, this former terrorist who was the proudest of Jews, a very, very um, smart Jewish leader, intelligent Jewish leader, but very much grounded in the law, did not know the gospel. The Lord met him on the Damascus Road. He was converted. And, and you read Paul's epistles, and especially Romans and Galatians and Ephesians. Uh, I, I mean, the gospel is so clearly presented. And so this is what we look for when, when we start to talk about, in this case, a celebrity. Um, I mean, we, we rejoice with any person, celebrity or not, who is gaining an interest in the Lord. And again, I like a lot of the things I heard Shia LaBeouf say. Um, but that doesn't mean... That um, you know he is he he is yet at a point where he's being grounded in um, the message that Paul delivered, and and that message that Paul delivered uh, is what grounds Christians in the faith, um, and and it's more than just the emotional experiences that we have. Way more than that. In fact, that's not our, our faith is not rooted in that at all. So I, I rejoice with Shia LaBeouf. And and I would say, man, it'd be great to. I'd love to have you and I have a, a a podcast and a and a back and forth with Shia LaBeouf and that Catholic priest and dig dig deeper into some of these issues. Let them ask us questions and us ask them questions and and realize that hey, you know, we're we are all working for the same goal. Of, of, of wanting to present biblical truth, and so anyway, Sonia, yeah, I look forward to hearing these these clips that you have and and having us discuss them because, like I say, I, I enjoyed the the, the interview um, that I listened to.
0: Yeah, just one quick thing before I get to that. When I was thinking about stigmata, the other thing too is when it comes to some of these type of things. Okay, mm-hmm. people aren't worthy to experience that, if that makes sense. You know, do you think yeah. Jesus is going to allow somebody who's a sinful person to actually kind of be a surrogate for something that right. he did? You know, okay, I'm going to allow you to experience stigmata so, you, so people can see, you know, this on you. But, it, but it's almost like Jesus kind of devaluing himself and saying, I'm going to allow a sinner to do and experience something that me as a perfect person experienced as a savior of the world. Well, it it's just it doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly, and right along with that song, you know, a, a big, a, a big theological uh, question that evangelicals have for Catholics, and a difference is that evangelicals, um, you know, we don't look at the Lord's Supper as as Christ being sacrificed all over again. You know, we 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 don't we don't we don't refer to it as a as a sacrifice, you know, the sacrifice of the mass. Uh we we look at we look at it as a a meal of remembrance whereby Jesus is truly present to strengthen our faith. Uh, but he's not there to suffer again. He's not there uh to be sacrificed again. Um and, and so we have, you know, there obviously there are theological um very significant theological differences there, um, but but I just thought about that, son, in relation to the stigmata, because whether it be somebody you know having wounds on their body or whether it be a priest standing up. And, and people thinking that somehow, you know, this is a sacrifice that's going on. No, there was a one-time sacrifice. The Lord's Supper today is not a sacrifice. Even if a church calls it, calls it that, um, it was a one-time sacrifice. So it's wrong terminology to refer to the Lord's Supper as a sacrifice. It is a memorial meal. Um, It is a meal where Jesus is truly present. He said, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. Uh, Do this in remembrance of me. And John 6 makes it very clear that Christians are eating and drinking Christ's flesh and blood spiritually 24-7. Um, and it's not only when you celebrate the Lord's supper, however often a Christian does that for, you know, many Christians it's weekly others, it's every other week or or less frequently than that. But, um, 24 seven, according to John six, every single believer in Jesus is eating and drinking, um, the flesh and blood of Christ spiritually 24 seven. Now I can't explain how, but that's what Jesus taught. And that's why they had such a problem with it. But my point is, uh, you know, For for, for people to want to all of a sudden, you know, come along and say that this this meal of remembrance is a sacrifice— no, Christ was sacrificed once for all. This is not a sacrifice. But but like the stigmata, it, 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 it doesn't put the focus on the cross 2,000 years ago. It puts it on something we do today, whether it's look at the wounds I have with my stigmata or look at what the priest is doing up here. Um, no, no. Look back 2,000 years ago at what Christ did and yes then celebrate the lord's supper um and and celebrate the fact that jesus said this is my body this is my blood and that he's truly present there for you um not only not only with the bread and wine but he's in you He's in you and and this is where it seems like um catholicism and then and then even some other um some others after them have 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 at times on wanted to put so much of an emphasis on the bread and the wine more so than on the Saviour himself. Who lives within us, who lives within every believer, and whose body, whose flesh and blood believers are already eating and drinking spiritually 24-7. And there have been some major debates among, you know, between Protestant Christians and between Catholics and Protestants for the last 500 years over what's really going on during those few seconds when a person receives the bread and wine or the bread and grape juice. Um, and, and, and I would just simply say, time out, read John six. That's the much bigger context. You can't understand the Lord's Supper. If you don't understand John six, it's it's a Jesus goes into a lot more detail about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, um, and and you know um, you know evangelicals even evangelicals son who teach that Christ is truly present there in that meal um, is, is do not teach that that Christians um, chew Christ's flesh or swallow Christ's blood and 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 so it gets very technical. Um, but i I think that the wise thing to do is to focus on John six and realize that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are eating Christ's flesh and drinking his blood spiritually. 24-7. And I can't explain how you're doing it, but Jesus said you're doing it. In fact, he said, if you're not eating my flesh and drinking my blood, you have no life in you. So, um, it just it boggles the mind, son, how many debates have been caused and how much division has been created, uh, both in Catholic circles, Protestant circles, between Catholics and Protestants, whereas if we were to sit down and say, let's talk about John six. Let's talk about what it means. Let's talk about what Jesus meant. Do we agree that the believer is indwelt by Christ? How could you not? You know, the Bible, makes it said very clear, Christ in you, the hope of glory. How could you not agree with that? Um, how could you not agree with Jesus's words in John 6, that unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you? How could you not agree with that? And how could you not agree that that is not referring to the Lord's Supper? Because if it were then what Jesus would have been saying is, unless you come to the Lord's Supper, you have no life in you. And we know that's completely false. I mean, the thief on the cross um, went to heaven. Um, we know in the context, and there are many reasons we could point out from John 6, that is not referring to the Lord's Supper. But it's just one of those things, son, where, you know, even some Protestants have kind of joined um, their Catholic friends. in in, in wanting to turn the Lord's Supper into something that the Bible doesn't present it to be. And that is something that is separate from... You're twenty four seven eating and drinking of Christ's body and blood. That's the unfortunate thing in Protestant circles. So I would just simply say, son, um, there are plenty of things I think with the Catholic doctrine of, of the mass and, and 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 their idea of a sacrifice that that Scripture would would challenge, you know, and, and really um, would would point in a different direction. But likewise, in Protestant circles there are there are things that that protestants need to realize uh about John six so that they don't get so focused on on such a technical definition of the Lord's Supper, that they fail to see what Jesus taught about the the twenty four seven eating and drinking. So, um, there's a lot that we all need to learn and, and and grow in and understand. That none of us have all the answers. I mean, it's it just like Sod, none of us can fully explain the doctrine of the Trinity, but it, it's biblical. It's true. God is three persons in one God. None of us can can uh, perfectly explain what's happening in the Lord's Supper, uh, as it says in Corinthians. You know, it's a participation in the the body of Christ, a participation in the blood of Christ. Um, so there is there. There's a um, there's a sacramental celebration of Christ's death for our sins and a participation of His body and blood in the Lord's Supper. But but let's not forget about. The twenty four seven eating and drinking. So so this would be a discussion, son. It'd be interesting for you and I to have with Shia LaBeouf and that Catholic priest and and uh, hey, if you can put that one together, son, I'm in. <laughs> so
0: he talks about it, Shia LaBeouf. They talk about the whole uh, concept of um what's the word? Um well I guess it's they call it the Eucharist, so I'd be I guess it'd yeah, be the yeah. same, you know, as us. But uh, but um yeah. here's here's mm-hmm. what he had to say from that interview about Experian euchre, Now, he sets the table, first of all, and he goes mm-hmm. through some things, but this is ultimately
2: what he said. Okay. This is really, like, that's, a, I guess, another thing that I love about Catholicism. It takes me out of, like, all this cognitive, um, like, I have to do this fairy tale make-believe, and it puts it right there like I can touch it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't need to wonder whether a saint exists when I'm looking at his heart, when I'm looking yeah. at his... When, there, when you have all these talismans of like what this actual like physical mana of what was there for a person who's as caveman as I am in terms of, I need a Polaroid picture. I need a Polaroid picture of God. Yeah. Catholicism offers it to me. You know, it gives yeah, me Polaroid pictures. It's the incarnation, right? I mean, the, in Jesus, we find the face of God and, uh, right. So the, the appeal to the mind, but also, I mean, to the heart.
0: Right, hold on. Let's do a reset. I think this is the one that I want. Hold on. But, um,
2: We've well, come a long way spiritually. At that point, yes. I mean, you've, you've now, now some... I'm really like now I'm experiencing prayer. I'm yeah. experiencing rosary. I'm starting to learn mass really well. I'm starting to be a part of mass. I'm starting to feel the effect of mass. I'm not receiving the host yet because um, we weren't. Okay, here we go. Reset, three, two, one.
0: And so you know, pastor, when you talk about having communion and you talk about all that, you know, I think they refer to it as the Eucharist in Catholicism. But uh, Shia LaBeouf, you know, they talk about him receiving what they call the host and how it affects him. And so I thought I'd just play that here since it's uh, a part of the conversation that we're having and then maybe get your thoughts on specifically what he has to say about it. So here's what he thinks and has experienced and tells the, uh, the uh, Bishop about or the priest about what his experience with the Eucharist is.
2: But um, we've well, come a long way spiritually. That point. Yes. I mean, you've, now you've now some... I'm really like, now I'm experiencing prayer. I'm yeah. experiencing rosary. I'm starting to learn mass really well. I'm starting to be a part of mass. I'm starting to feel the effect of mass. I'm not receiving the host yet because um, we weren't sure if I was baptized or not, and so I couldn't receive yet. And I felt this deep longing. I didn't know I was baptized. I had been baptized earlier in my life and didn't even remember it. Yeah. My my uncle was a um, uh, uh, had had baptized me in uh, Trinity. Uh, um, uh, uh, Trinitine. Uh, I'm saying it wrong. The Trinitarian formula yes the- yeah that's right yeah and, and so I so then we found out that I could receive mass and started receiving mass and I start feeling like this um deep reprieve it's not just this like it's not just like a cracker anymore I start feeling like um I start feeling a physical effect from it I start feeling a reprieve and it starts feeling like regenerative and um and I and I start um enjoying it to such a degree I don't want to miss it ever and then
0: And so he talks about it kind of like a physical change when he takes the host and he experiences the Eucharist. He's talking about a physical change. Now that's something that I guess what is rooted in Catholicism because in the non-Catholic world, when you take communion, I mean, even Lutherans have a different little different perspective than maybe with the Baptists and stuff, but I don't think anybody has really ever said that they feel a physical change to taking communion unless you are a Catholic.
1: Yes. You know, I, I, I like a word that Child LaBeouf used there, uh, son. He, he talked about, you know, feeling regenerative. Um, what we find in, in the experience of Christians is that the celebration of the Lord's supper as we, as we focus on what Christ did for us on the cross, as we focus on the fact that our sins are already forgiven, you know, let's remember we're not going to the Lord's supper in order to be forgiven because forgiveness is not given out in parts. So the Lord's supper is for Christians. Um, And God wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. But the Lord's Supper is for Christians. So the idea is if you're a Christian, you're invited to the Lord's Supper. Again, assuming that, you know, you're coming in sincerity and repentance and, and, uh, you know, um, faith in Christ, of course. But... Um, it's for Christians. So what that means, son, is that a person's sins are already forgiven. So you're not going to the Lord's supper to get more forgiveness. You're not going to the Lord's supper because you have 90% of your sins forgiven, but now the sins you've committed in the past hour or the past 10 minutes or the past 10 days need forgiveness. You're going to the Lord's supper to celebrate the fact that Christ died on your, on the cross for your sins, which are already forgiven, not by anything you've done, but, but by God's grace and your sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. Uh, you know, I, but I like the word regenerative in the sense that, um, and I certainly would want to, you know, give Shia LaBeouf the benefit of the doubt that, um, you know, that by him celebrating the Lord's Supper, um, he, he, he's, he's experiencing a strengthening of faith. Again, that's assuming that his faith is in Christ alone. Uh, I mean, we, we know sign that a person could have a counterfeit experience just because somebody is feeling energized. There are plenty of, you know, let's just say on another, uh, uh, in another arena there, there are plenty of new age things that, that people uh, do where they feel energized, You know, they, they use, uh, crystals or they use, uh, tarot cards or, um, you know, they, 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 uh, they do all sorts of things, uh, and and they feel, and they feel, uh, energized. Um, sometime we should have a podcast if we haven't already son on, on yoga. Um, and, and, and talk about that because, um, it does have roots in Eastern religion and there are things that Christians should be aware of with, 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 yoga. Uh, that's a whole other topic, but, but what, what we're, what we're saying with communion is that, um, you know, it's great to, to be, um, rejuvenated, uh, in the Lord's Supper, but, um, Again, you know, when Chalabot talked about, you know, not being able to have the host and so forth, it's like, you know, that's one thing too that evangelicals, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we never would refer to a practice on where you only do the bread or you only do the wine for people. We would never call that the Lord's Supper. We, we don't find that in scripture. We don't ever find that being an acceptable, um, celebration of the Lord's Supper. Um, nor, nor do we, uh, like I said before, ever find that um, that somehow this is a a, a, a sacrifice of, of what Jesus uh, did you know two thousand years ago it 's a remembrance of the sacrifice it 's a celebration of the sacrifice it 's a participation in The body of Christ and the blood of Christ is a participation. But remember, son, um, every Christian is already participating in the body and blood of Christ by the very nature that they're saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven. Because John 6 says that if you believe in Christ, you're eating his flesh and you're drinking his blood. So you can't eat his flesh and drink his blood without participating in the the body and blood of Christ. Uh, Now, obviously, that's a spiritual eating. Um, it's it's not a it's not a physical eating that's going on twenty four seven. It's a spiritual eating. Now we don't fully understand uh, the, uh, the, the the sacramental um, celebration of the Lord's Supper, where now you 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 combine bread and wine, and and you combine that now with with your faith and with your participation in the body and blood of Christ. That's uh, already happening. Now there's this. Um, there's this meal. There are these elements. It's this sacrament where um, where where the Lord is going to strengthen our faith. I, I know that there are some, even in evangelical circles, that again want to turn it into a meal whereby you get forgiveness. And and to that, you know, many of us would say, "We'll explain what you mean by that." Um, because don't don't you really mean the assurance of forgiveness? Because surely you're not saying that a person, a believer who goes to the Lord's Supper is lacking forgiveness in any sense. I mean, biblically, you cannot make that case. Um, A person is either completely forgiven or forgiven of nothing. And, and, And so when a Christian who understands the Bible is pressed on that point a little bit, he or she would be forced to admit, yeah, you're right. Everybody who comes to the Lord's Supper already has total forgiveness. So you're not getting more. You're not getting more, you can't that's impossible you can you can be forgiven for you know for your sins if you're not a believer. come to Christ, trust in Christ you know but 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 if you're already a believer, you're already forgiven, you're already forgiven, so you can't get more um now somebody right away might say something well then why why do we pray and ask the Lord to forgive our sins, wash away our sins because we're we're instructed to do that. We're instructed to do that every day. And not just when you celebrate the Lord's Supper, every day we we need to confess our sins to the Lord. But but the the point is for the believer at the Lord's Supper, you're already forgiven before you celebrate the Lord's Supper. And, and, And why that's so important, son, is some people get this idea. Some believers have gotten this idea, both Catholic and Protestant, I'm afraid, have gotten this idea. Well, I got to go to the Lord's supper today to, you know, to really shore up my relationship with God. You know, that little bit of forgiveness that I, you know, I kind of messed up on something yesterday or this week, and now I'm I'm lacking forgiveness. I got to make sure I get forgiven for those sins. But by going to the Lord's supper, then I'll get then I'll get all the forgiveness. And that's not what the Bible teaches. I mean, you know, you know, even when Jesus, there, there's one verse that 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 uh that, that talks about um in, in Matthew about uh you know this is my my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins um and then you know what martin luther did is he conflated that with another verse in the gospels where he said this is my uh, my, my blood given for you And so we combine those two verses, and then this is often then what gets said in the Lutheran liturgy. um, This is the blood of Christ given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Well, if you conflate, if you put together a couple of verses in a couple of different gospels, you can make it say that. But wouldn't you think, son, if the Lord really wanted to teach us that communion was about getting more forgiveness, that God would have made that very clear to us in the Bible, you wouldn't have to put two verses together. Um, you wouldn't have to take, you know, one verse from this gospel and one from that gospel and then, and then use that as part of your liturgy. So you're better off just reading the Bible. You're better off just reading the Bible verses. um, Catholics and and Protestants who want to make communion about getting more forgiveness really need to go and look at that issue, son. They need to read John six. They need to understand that Christ is already living in you, that you're already eating His flesh and drinking His blood twenty four seven. But there seems to be this obsession among some: we have to make you. We have to make it so you have to go there. You have to go there to be forgiven. And 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 what those of us. Uh, who would, would explain it differently would say to that son, as we would say, uh, go to the cross, go to the cross, go to the cross when you celebrate the Lord's supper, but go to the cross all day, every day. That's where you find your forgiveness and Catholics and Protestants who like, you know, think, well, I, I, I got to go to the Lord's supper to be forgiven. You know, I'd I, I want to sit down and say, well, wait a minute. What makes you think you're not forgiven? Are you trusting Christ alone? You know, then his blood already cleanses you of all of your sin. Well, then why should I go to the Lord's supper? Because the Bible tells us it is very important. They celebrate the Lord's supper every week in the, in the new Testament. Um, we see that in the church in the new Testament. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles doctrine to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And it is. And that's, again, I go back to Shia LaBeouf's word regenerative. It does renew It does strengthen. Um, You know, one thing I noticed on years ago, um, when, when uh, this has maybe been 10 years ago or I don't know, seven, 10 years ago. And, and I, I, you know, we we were celebrating the Lord's Supper every other week or twice a month. But one thing I was noticing, and then I shared it with others in the congregation, you know, I, I, I was noticing that it just seems like there's more spiritual power. Um, through the service, through the completion of the service, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, the way they did in the New Testament every Sunday. Not to get a check in the box, but to honor the Lord, to remember the Lord, to keep the focus on the cross, not on us, not on what we're doing, but on Christ and on his sacrifice. And, and, And so... We always started doing that, and and I've been blessed to to be able to um, be a part of that now for all these years, since then. to celebrate the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Um, And I do find that there's more spiritual power, more spiritual power in a worship service that involves the Lord's Supper. I think that's biblical. I think we see that in the New Testament. Um, I can't explain it. I can't explain why, other than to say the Lord instituted it. And it is a participation in the body and blood of Christ. And, and it is a holy meal and it is to be done with holiness and it does strengthen our faith. Um, and it is for Christians and it is for those who are already completely forgiven. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot that you and I would talk with Shia LaBeouf and this priest about And, and we say, Hey guys, yeah, no, let's celebrate the Lord's Supper every week, but let's talk about what it does and what it doesn't do, what it's for, what it's not for what that sacrifice 2000 years ago about what was about and what it wasn't about. And how does something like that compare to, let's say a practice like, you know, like Shia LaBeouf mentioned, they're praying the rosary, for example, praying to Mary. Um, just because somebody says that they receive power when they pray to Mary, that doesn't mean the power is coming from God because anybody who prays to a dead person and Mary's dead. I mean, she's alive in heaven, but, but she doesn't answer any prayers today. She doesn't hear any prayers today. Somebody hears those prayers, but it, it's not Mary. So when you pray to a saint or you pray to Mary, um, you are opening up the door around in, in the spiritual realm around you for dark angels to, to really, um, they can empower you. They can give you power. It's not coming from the Lord. It's not a holy power. Um, but there is so, so some, this is why, and I know Shia LaBeouf, you know, he talked about, well, you know, he doesn't like the cognitive things and, and, you know, uh, so on and so forth. Well, um, I'll tell you what, that's what the new age is about. And I'm not saying he's promoting new age. I'm just saying the new age is all about forget the cognitive. Let's just go with our experience. Let's just go over what feels right. That's why I'm so thankful. son. we have scripture. That's why we can know what the Lord's Supper is about and what it's not about based on all of scripture, not just two verses that kind of get mixed from the gospels. So they look at the Lord's Supper is about, about getting more forgiveness. Really? I thought I already had forgiveness. I thought the Lord said, do this in remembrance of me. I thought the Lord said as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't that the, isn't that the point? Proclaiming the Lord's death. Rather than, you know, suggesting to people that somehow, just to shore up your forgiveness, get a little bit more, um, no, you're already totally forgiven by the blood of Jesus. It's not a license to sin. And son, the person who's looking at grace as a license to sin, that's a very dangerous position to be in. That person should should never be told, oh, well, you're saved. Not if you're looking at it as a license to sin. Not if you're looking at it as as an excuse to go out and sin again. No, that, that, that person should be warned from the Bible to repent. And 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 we're all sinful, you know. But you need to repent. You need to turn from that deliberate sin. Um, And and I know, son, we're we're uh, you know, I'm kind of getting us bogged down a little bit on a few of these things. And I I know we've talked about maybe you know extending this topic uh, when we're done today, maybe to a second uh, podcast even on this topic. But um, there's so much here. I I think it's important to spend some time, as I did there, on the Lord's Supper, um, and and just to kind of uh, you know go into it in the kind of detail
0: that we are today. Well, I think that if, you know, there was going to be more forgiveness in communion, Jesus would have Mm -hmm. said, instead of, you know, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, he would have said, do Mm -hmm. this for your forgiveness of sin. I think he would have specified exactly, you know, to that point. And so when he says, do this in remembrance of me, I think that's clearly a defining moment where he says, this is something that you do to remember what I've done and that, this, you know, and that's not for the forgiveness of sin. And so um, I think he would have specifically said that. There's another clip. Well,
1: well, if I may, so so the one verse, the one verse in the New Testament that comes the closest to saying that is where Jesus in Matthew uh, 26, verse 27, then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So what Martin Luther did um, is he took that verse and then a verse from um, the gospels where Jesus said, uh, you know, this is my blood given for you. And he combined that. And so what gets said to people when they, in many Lutheran churches, when they come to communion, they're, they're told that Jesus said, this is my blood, which is given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Now on one hand, you could, you could say, yes, I mean, that's, that's true. And on one hand, I would say yes, it is true. But 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 I would say unless you explain to a person why you put those two verses together and what you're not saying, it could be confusing to a person. It could lead, and I think it has led many Catholics and Protestants to think. Um, so I'm coming to communion to be forgiven because I'm not forgiven yet. And and that is a very dangerous thing to. Um, to believe that you're not forgiven. Why? Why would you believe you're not forgiven? Well, because I haven't been to communion yet. Well, who told you that that's what communion was for? Well, that's what we've always been taught. That's what they say when I go to communion. Okay, but let, let's open up the Bible. You know, what what, what, did, what did Jesus say? Um, he, Well, he said it right here in, in Matthew. He said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Yes, my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins poured out where at the cross at the cross. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So we always want to point people to the cross. We always want to point people um, to the facts on believers. We want to point believers to the fact that you are already forgiven, you're saved, justified, redeemed, born again and, and forgiven already already, already. When did that happen? When you trusted Christ to forgive your sins. So then why should I go to the Lord's Supper? Because it honors the Lord as you remember the Lord, as you um, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's why son, I was, I was so thrilled to suggest those years ago, hey what if we celebrated the Lord's Supper every week like they did in the New Testament? What if we did that? Like they did in the early church? What if What if we did that? And, you know, everybody seemed to be on board, and so I've been doing it ever since. But, um, you know, that's not to say, son, that, that a church is sinning by having communion less frequently. I mean, uh, we are free as Christians. Um, we are free to make that determination how often. Um, you know, some people will say, well, I don't, I don't want it to just feel like a check in the box. Well, do you feel that way with a sermon? I mean, sermons on the, on the A-team, right? Sermons on the first string, you have that every Sunday. Do you feel that way about uh, worship, about singing? You probably have that on the A-team. On the, that's on the first string. Do um, you feel that way about prayer, fellowship? You do those every Sunday? Yeah, but I don't want to do the Lord's Supper every Sunday because I don't want it to feel like I'm just doing, well, okay, then you're free to put it on the B-team. You're free to have it as a second string player. I mean, that doesn't mean you're diminishing it in the sense of how you value it. It just means that you just don't really see much of a reason to have it. And that's, you know, that's your, you have free will. And, 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 you know, it's on everybody gets to decide on that. You know, everybody gets but, but what I'm saying is, um, we, we put things biblically on the first team every Sunday based on whether or not we feel that it's going to benefit the congregation. And to what degree will benefit? And, and, and if I, as a Christian pastor, was convinced that having the Lord's Supper every other week would be just as much of a benefit as every week, then I'd probably suggest that. And then, and then the church would decide what we're going to do. Um, you know, we we would decide together what we're going to do on that. Um, and and if I felt like, well, you know, it's a second, it's on the second second team. I mean, it's not really as important as the sermon. It's not as important as singing. Not as important as prayer, not as important as fellowship, but you know, we should do it at least a couple of times a month or at least once a month or at least once a quarter, you know, churches do it differently. Then I would put it on that second string team. Um, and like I say, for years, son, I was content to do that. And then I, I kind of had, uh, you know, my own little uh, maybe epiphany on that. Like I say, where I sense it just, it just, and this is this is where the feelings come in. Okay, it, it wasn't much more. It wasn't like all of a sudden I just biblically, son. I thought, oh well, you know, we're not being biblical on this because I, I, I don't believe that churches that celebrate the Lord's Supper every other week or once a month or however, I don't believe they're being unbiblical because the Bible doesn't mandate. How often, but I'll say based on my experience, um, I was sensing more spiritual power across the board when we put all four of the big four into practice and acts two forty two says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, you got a sermon, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, okay, communion, and prayer, and that's what they devoted themselves to in Acts two. Uh, after Pentecost, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So, um, you know, it's great. It's great to base our decisions on the Word of God. Um, Sometimes those decisions will be um, based in part on um, whether we feel rejuvenated by something. And as long as and that was the word Shiloh Buffalo used, as long as we're doing things biblically for biblical reasons and biblical support, um, hey, nothing wrong with be I mean, we all want to be rejuvenated. We all want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know I do. I mean I think I think most Christians want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so all I'm saying is God has given us these um these means of grace. These means of grace. To fill us, not with more forgiveness, because forgiveness is not given out in parts, but more spiritual power, more assurance of salvation, more of a Christ-centered focus, more focus on the cross, which is what the Lord's Supper is supposed to be about. And this is where stigmata and and then other, you know, variant teachings about the Lord's Supper can turn the focus away from that. Well, it's all about this priest up here celebrating mass, you know. Wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to be focused on Christ and the cross? Um, and how about if maybe we we before we even do this, how about if we just focus on the gospel let 's talk about the gospel and that 's what I would really want to get into son with with Shia LaBeouf and that priest, and have a very friendly uh discussion with our friends, our Catholic friends, and say let 's talk about the gospel because you mentioned that let 's talk about that and 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 you can help us wherever uh, we may need to be helped and and we can help you wherever you may need to be helped and and i 'm sure there are things we don 't understand about your approach and there may be things you don 't understand about our approach and and um uh, you know, I, I think we have to keep open son to God working in different groups, of course. But if you don't have the gospel, when I say different groups, I'm talking about different Christian churches that may not do things exactly the same way on, on different issues. But But then there are the core doctrines that you cannot, you cannot get wrong. You cannot get the doctrine of the Trinity wrong. Uh, that was what Shiloh Buffer was referring to, to in the priest there, the, the Trinitarian formula. It sounds like Shia LaBeouf, his uncle, it sounds like it baptized him, okay, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot get the doctrine of the Trinity wrong and and, and expect to have the Holy Spirit uh, involved in your ministry. You cannot get the the gospel wrong and expect to have the Holy Spirit involved in your ministry, because he doesn't doesn't teach those things. He doesn't teach false doctrine. Um, Now... You know, Son, there are differences on on the Lord's Supper and on baptism and on, on some other areas, the end times. You know, there are differences among believers on that. But the essential doctrines of the Christian faith, um, the ones that are just I mean, for example, how about how about the Virgin Mary? OK, the doctor of the Virgin Mary. And, and you know, yes, Catholics. Um, you know, they, they talk a lot about Mary, you know, we, we, as evangelicals, we would say, whoa, I mean, wait a minute, Mary was a great person, chosen by God, humble, loved, you know, but she did have sin, and she doesn't hear any prayers today, and she doesn't give anybody grace today, and... You know, she doesn't have an in with, with Jesus or the father. So you can talk to her to go to them. No, that's not how it works. How do we know that? Because in the Bible, God would have told us that's how it works. That's not how it works. Well, but I, I, I prayed to Mary and I really felt like my prayer was answered. or I saw my prayer answered. Well, that doesn't mean that that Mary answered your prayer. That doesn't mean that's a, a, a biblical or a good thing to do just because it worked. I mean, you know, son, there have been some people, I mean, I, I've heard that there are some Catholics who are told that if they want to sell their home, they can bury the a, a statue of what? St. Joseph in their yard upside down. I mean, that's magic. I mean, that, that that's, that's why it worked. My home sold when I did that. Well, um, I don't doubt it. There are things that work in the spiritual realm because there are other entities involved um, beyond the holy angels. There are other kinds of angels um, beyond God. Uh, There's also the devil. So if somebody wants to put a statue in their yard and trust that or put a rabbit's foot in their pocket and trust that, you know, or or go to a psychic and trust a psychic to know what your future. I mean, these are all things you're, you're free to do, but just because they work doesn't mean that that's God's blessing on your life because there are other entities out there trying to pull you in. It's like when people say, well, you know, my grandmother who I love so much, um, she came to my bedside after she passed away. We had this great visit. And, And I would say with all due respect to your grandmother and, and all due sorrow for your loss, um, I would want to gently say to you, that was absolutely not your grandmother. That apparition was not your grandma. It's impossible because dead people are not floating around talking to people. Um, Believers in Jesus go to paradise instantly. Unbelievers go to Hades, which is hell, translated hell, but it's it's like the holding place, like the county jail hell. Um, Gehenna. Is another Greek word in the New Testament um for hell, but that's uh the lake of fire that Revelation talks about, where everyone whose name was not you know, written in the Lamb's book of life was thrown to the lake of fire. But but there are not these spirits floating around. So just because somebody sees an apparition, when I saw Mary, I saw my grandmother, I I, I I heard this voice. Be careful if you hear voices. Um, I'm not saying God would never talk to you that way, but it would be so extremely rare. Because he's already talked to us. He's already given us his word. And Satan is looking for any way to weave his way in there and and, and whisper something new because he comes as an angel of light with counterfeit, counterfeit methods of getting to God. Counterfeit signs like stigmata. Um, Counterfeit prayers like praying to dead people or praying to Mary. Counterfeit prayers. Counterfeit apparitions. Um, Pray to God if your grandmother has passed away and ask God to comfort you. Um, but it, but if you have a, 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 a ghost like appearance in your bedroom, ask Jesus to remove it because that is not your deceased loved one. They're not, they're not roaming the earth. Okay. There's only two places departed spirits go and they go, they go there instantly. We know this based on scripture. Well, but my experience, well, okay. Experiences can be fine, but if they, if they don't line up with scripture, um, and, and that would not line up at all with scripture. So we have to, we have to go back to the word. And that's one thing I, I think Shia Buff son will, will, I, I hope and pray he'll, he'll um, become more in tune with, uh, as he grows. Um, and that's what the priest referred to at the end of their discussion, where he started talking about the Bible. I was very glad to hear him say that, that he preaches a lot from the old Testament, wants to get people turning more to the Bible. He says, we didn't used to do that. And, and he said, it didn't work well when we didn't do that. So, I mean, I was hearing some very good things from the priest on that. And, uh, um, but, but Shia LaBeouf will learn that, that you know, experiences um, are a dime a dozen. You're going to feel rejuvenated one day. You might feel depressed the next day. You can't put too much stock in that. But you can put stock in the word of God and in the gospel. So, um, <laughs> you know, son, we might even have time for another one of those clips. I don't know. I've been going. I've been talking a lot here, buddy.
0: Well, there is one more that I'd like to play and maybe get your thoughts on as He's talking with the bishop about the different things that he's experiencing and so this is again as he's going through his journey this is what he
2: shares with the uh, bishop and so we're praying the rosary and i'm waiting for loving thoughts and it's not my first or second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh thought but then i hear a thought like call your mother tell her you love her now me and my mother at this time mother don't want nothing to do with me Mm -hmm. you know the, the news that had come out has been like I've been abusive to women and I've been shooting dogs and I've been willingly giving women STDs. And like there's it's disgusting. It's depraved. And my mother is embarrassed beyond all imagination. She's mm-hmm. want nothing to do with me. And we hadn't talked. And I'm living in this parking lot. And and I get out of Rosary with you and I call my mother and. Uh, and I say, uh, I don't have much to say to you, but I love you and I'm safe. She said, Oh, I'm so grateful. Hmm. And she hangs up the phone, and it's the first time I had really like talked to my mother, and I felt this peace. Because I had all this resentment and animosity. Like, how could you dip on me? You're my mother. You know, no matter what happens, like, this is conditional love that you offer me. So, you know, uh, then I start reading the confessions by Augustine and his mother mm-hmm. and that relationship. And yeah, right. like, everything starts to feel like click, 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 click. See, it's
0: interesting that he sits there and he's talking about the prayers and the thoughts that come through his mind and then going mm-hmm. to the Confessions of Augustine. And, again, it goes mm-hmm. back to, you know, prayer can be changing, but is he mm-hmm. kind of missing the focus there on what prayer is about, or is he, you know, experiencing prayer through the rosary yeah. as the Catholics want it to be?
1: Yeah, you you know, well, one thing I think, Son, is I think back to – um the context there from that interview I listened to the whole interview uh, I seem to remember him saying that you know this priest that was helping him uh, as he was making this movie he had a number of priests that he was you know interacting with who were helping him and i guess this priest told him you know with prayer just go and just sit and just listen just listen um and and so um Well, what I, what I would say on that is, is, um, you know, God, God's going to speak to us in his word. Um, I, I'm actually, um, I I'm very glad that he called his mother. I mean, I I think that sounds like that was a very good thing to do. Um, that, that relationship kind of needed to be repaired a bit. It was a very loving thing for him to do. Um, I, I would, I would tend to think that that was the Lord, um, you know, uh, putting that thought in his mind or it came from, who knows, maybe just his own, um, you know, subconscious or something. Um, you know, just because son at times a person is in a church where there are certain practices that are, are not, um, are not grounded in scripture. Um, it doesn't mean that, that that person is, is outside of God's reach of, of getting them um, helpful information. And in this case, something gave him that thought either came from him or, or, uh, or, or, or from the Lord. Now um, I, I would not, uh, I would not look at that experience ever as a, as a reason to pray the rosary be, because I don't believe that that is a beneficial practice spiritually. But my sense in listening to the whole interview there of Shia LaBeouf. Um, and we know God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Um, I, I think that, you know, the Lord um, was and is working to rescue Shia LaBeouf. And one of the pieces of that was, was to have him humbly reach out to his mother and and like a mother would typically do, she responded with that unconditional love. So I'm, I'm very thankful to hear that. Um, but, but, but I think when it comes to something as significant as, 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 as praying the rosary, um, a person really needs to evaluate, you know, why, why am I doing this? And is it, is there a biblical reason to it or that just because, you know, the, the the church that I'm connected to, you know, tells me to do it now, you know, uh, you know, the, the Catholic uh, definition will say, you know, the rosary is a scripture based prayer and we'd say, okay, great. You know it begins with the Apostles Creed, okay? Uh evangelicals would say yeah, great. Um but then um the first part of the Hail Mary is the angel's words announcing Christ's birth and Elizabeth's greeting to Mary. Um and then St. Pius the Fifth officially added the second part of the Hail Mary. And and that's kind of what can happen in in in, in churches when they start to add things that are unbiblical, especially with prayer. Um, and, and and so, you know, the, the the aspect of saying the Apostles' Creed, we'd say great. But then when it says, say one Hail Mary on each of the next three beads, well, what would ever lead a person to think is saying Hail Mary as though somehow she's the queen of heaven or something? Um well and they actually say that, that that you're to say um Hail Holy Queen, pray for us, O holy mother of God. Um so asking Mary to to pray for you is not a wise thing to do. In fact, son, um I would I would argue that a person addressing Mary in prayer remember now you're talking to a dead person um I would say a person addressing Mary in prayer this is where you open up the door for dark angels to get involved in the mix so pray for us o holy mother of god um now now catholics would not um Catholic leaders, Catholic priests, would not tell their followers to pray to uh, Buddha or Muhammad. At least most wouldn't. Um, or, but, 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 So why why pray to Mary? Um, why pray to any deceased saint? You know. So this is a very very significant difference um, between um, you know non-Catholic Christians and, and Catholics. That that we. We think it's dangerous to offer up prayers to dead people, no matter how noble they were. And there's no doubt in my mind that Mary was a very noble, noble woman, very humble woman chosen by God. I mean, I mean, as humble as humble can be, you know, but but to pray to her. Um we would say no. Um, so now having said that, that doesn't mean that just because Shia LaBeouf was praying the rosary that somehow God can't give him good thoughts about calling his mother or that God can't give him good thoughts from the Bible like the priest was talking to him about the Bible. Okay, so all it means, son, just like I pointed out some things today with Luther and um, I mean, uh, I mean, we're all infallible. We're all infallible. You know, the Pope's infallible, uh, or I should say fallible rather. (laughs) I'm saying that wrong. Um, we are fallible. We are fallible. And I, I, what I meant is none of us are infallible. Okay. Um, we're all fallible. Um, the Pope is fallible. The Pope, the Pope is not perfect. Um, priests are not perfect. Pastors are not perfect. And I would simply say, we've told people this before. If you're listening to the podcast, um, you know, eat the meat and spit out the bones compare whatever we say to scripture. And if anything doesn't line up with scripture, then just flat out reject it. Flat out reject it. You know, Um, Hey, we're, 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 uh, we're fallible human beings. Only God's word is infallible. Only God's word is, is, is inspired and inerrant so we need the Bible. And I like what the priest said to Shia LaBeouf there at the very end of their interview. And, um, I just pray and I will pray, you know, that Shia LaBeouf just grows in his understanding of, of the Bible and the gospel. And I, and I'll just, I'm going to thank the Lord today. So after the podcast that the Lord rescued him from his suicidal thoughts. I think that's very exciting. I think there was a lot in their interview that was just a lot of good, good stuff that they talked about. And, uh, um, Um, And then there were some other things that I think um, really would require some further uh, discussion. Well,
0: it definitely was interesting, and it is uh, on YouTube, so if people want to check it out, it's Shia LaBeouf talking to Bishop Robert Barron, and they're talking about uh, a new movie that he's in about uh, Padre Pio and the friars. And so it's just something that's kind of interesting to to check out if you're interested to, to know more. Dan, we appreciate your time, your insight, as always, and um, I thought it was a good conversation, and look forward to uh, many more as the uh, Lord allows us to have these conversations.
1: Oh, thank you, son. I, I sure look forward to that as well, and it was a, a great discussion today. I really enjoyed it.
0: And for those of you listening, hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Check out our website at RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear more episodes, you can click on the uh, Sanctified Reason logo, and then all of our shows uh, pop up there. Again, because of the uh, powerful influences of celebrities, musicians, actors, You know the movies we see, the music we listen to, and especially social media driving the, the traditions and norms of modern society these days, Sanctified Reason with myself, Son Edom, and Dan Delzell. We discuss these issues at the crossroads of faith and pop culture, and we appreciate you joining us. So, again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.